Coming up, that preseason game number one had more than just high-level superstar talent and all the right feels heading into the regular season. There were also the new additions for the Brooklyn Nets in the form of Yuta Watanabe and Edmund Sumner, to say nothing of one Markeith Morris as we look at how these key roles coming off the bench could fill out for Brooklyn. We break it down next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrick, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms. And Doug... I've got a little bit of a PSA for the people out there, but how are we on a, on a Tuesday? What will be a Wednesday when, when everyone's hearing this as we're going to dive in on the second half of that first preseason game. Um, but I do have a message for some of the fans. Yeah, I'm still riding high from the game last night. Just glad to have NBA back. I've gotten a little catch a little bit of other preseason action from other teams, but obviously this, the Nets one was the one we were waiting for. So uh, if you hadn't, if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, I don't know what to tell you. Like we broke down the Simmons, the Durant, the Kyrie, the pairing, the trip, the big three, all the stuff. Uh, excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today too, which is sort of how the rest of the team uh, sort of fleshes out. But what's your what's your PSA? Yeah, by the way, uh, I can tell you what to do if you didn't see that episode. Go watch it or go listen to it. You can do that. We don't, we don't take it down to 24 hours. It'll be for, there for you on YouTube, there for you uh, on the podcast feed as well. My disclaimer is this. Don't talk to me about the Nets need to package up three players and go trade for Miles Turner. Stop talking to me about, ah, they're still not big enough. They need another guy in the backcourt the, at the guard spot. They need another ball handler. Nothing about our first half breakdown from yesterday or what we discussed today is a referendum on the entire season. And also, it's totally cool to go through the preseason and get into the regular season. Maybe give it a few weeks and see what this team looks like. Like That's what we're supposed to be doing to start the season. Not already talking like this team is broken and needs to be fixed again. Been a long couple of years. Why don't we enjoy it to start? It's tough to have nice things sometimes. I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I, look, I understand to some degree why Nets fans feel a little snake bit here. Uh, we'll talk, obviously, about what the second half of this game looked like. I do get the feeling, or excuse me, I do understand the sentiment around wanting to have a complete team here because these last couple seasons have been just so weird and wonky, and they've been guys short. It hasn't been because the roster construction has been necessarily all bad it's just because there's a bunch of other stuff that's happened um but I do I I will say you have to feel super encouraged I think about about what the Nets what we saw from what they threw out in the second half here in terms of overall depth I like we're going to talk about it I do think it's a little premature to feel like the team is super incomplete now you do not need to be a complete team on October 4th of an NBA season like there's time to address certain things it's often best to address those things once you've seen how the core actually interacts with each other rather than trying to predict it. Like we are one half of basketball basically into seeing what Simmons plus Durant plus uh, Kyrie looks like. That's just not enough to know exactly what else you need. <laughs> right. So I, I and I, and I, we're going to get to these guys now, but like 
I think that's where you can just pump the brakes. It's okay. They don't need to be a complete team right now. They don't need to have every checkbox filled. Like There will be other players that will come available as the season goes on as teams are in or not in the playoff hunt. Like yep. Miles Turner is not the only basketball player. I know every team in the NBA wants Miles, fan base wants Miles Turner on their team. Like There's a reason they haven't traded for him. I don't know, whatever. Okay. Yep. Let's, let's talk about these other guys. That being the case, as we said yesterday, we talked about the high-level players, obviously the starting unit, and then really ultimately what, what was an eight-man rotation when they added Royce O'Neal coming off the bench along with Dayron Sharp and Patty Mills. Now, Royce O'Neal, he basically came out at that point uh, Patty Mills didn't see anything after he played his, what, 10 minutes, I think he ended up putting in there. Yeah, 10 minutes for him. Um, and then, it, so the first one, just interesting as a footnote, Dayron Sharp continued to play into the second half, half here um, to give himself a little bit of a run, 19 minutes in total. But then we get into some of the interesting ones, right? Um, I've been talking about Yuta Watanabe a lot. I think that you, rightfully so, as Steve Nash mentioned, um, Markeith Morris, he's a five for the Brooklyn Nets, and you've been talking about what he brings to this team, the intangibles, and also the functionality. And then uh, a surprising guy in Edmund Sumner, who we were curious about, he really showed up here. Which one is your most intriguing that you want to tap into first? Okay, so yeah, just to recap, they start they start uh, Sumner, Cam, uh, David Duke Jr., Wananabe, and Markeith Morris in that starting five for the second half into like a full yeah. line switch, right? Um, so that is who they ran out there uh, to start the second half. Sharp, I believe, did not start with that group mostly because um, I think they were just looking to get those five together, and then he was just going to play sort of um, – sort of like fill in minutes because they just needed to have another big body at some point and he could he right. needs all the runs. So I think that was probably the line of thinking around that. Um, and so and, and I will just and before I give my opinion about this, I will say, you know, some people make comments like, oh, this second unit look, tr-. this is not the team's second unit. Like this is the players that they are trying to figure out who is going to make the team and actually break camp. Um, and get have rotational minutes going forward. Yeah. This is not like the second unit of players that's going to come in on the first rotation for the for the uh, the Nets. We already we saw what that looked like. That was Royce O'Neal and, and Patty Mills and Dayron. So, yeah. um, in terms of like what we saw from this group, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about here. Some there specifically looked one completely healthy, uh, and two uh, a sort of a different kind of player than this team has had a little bit in the past, which is. He's a lengthier point guard who can get to the rim. He's very quick. Um, And if you've seen him play at all with the Pacers before, before he suffered that injury, or if you follow Pacers folks uh, like Tony East and some of these other guys, like there, there's a, there was a sort of like one who got away idea around Sumner in that, like the the timing of the injury for him was, was poor. And then they just weren't in a direction where they were just going to be developing guys like this going forward because they have Halliburton, et cetera. And so him kind of making a play with a team like the Nets is an interesting move. And I think we began to see the, the, the reasons why in his time on the court last night. You know, four or six from the field, was able to get to the line, was able to get to the basket. Like I said, he moves really fluidly. He's not probably a traditional point guard in this, in, in, a, you know, in certain senses, but in terms of secondary ball handling – I think that we could definitely see minutes for him off the bench, especially as we get longer into the season. I, I really liked what we saw here. I think he can guard multiple positions as well. And just from an athleticism standpoint, I do feel like sometimes we are sort of years removed from having athletic guys on the team. This is, with a, by the way, take this with a grain of salt. All NBA guys are athletic, obviously. But then the certain classes of athleticism within those tiers, yep. the Nets just haven't had 
a lot of athleticism on their team, like young, spry, quick kind of guys that also had NBA-ish bodies too in terms of length. And Sumner has that. And I think that is just encouraging in and of itself, (laughs) right? Like just having a 6'4", 200 guy with a nice wingspan who can handle the ball, get to the rim, make the right reads, looks very fluid on the court. I think that there's – he should – be actually pl- probably playing some minutes here, even maybe to start the season. Yeah, you mentioned Tony East there. I remember going back and talking with him about getting Sumner, and he said it at the time. Like Fans of the Pacers were disappointed to lose him, and he said if he's healthy, the Nets have gotten a player here. If he's going to be healthy, yeah. he's a guy that has real upside. And to your point, just out of that first preseason game, I look at him and go, okay, in terms of what we don't have in the backcourt, this is a player that can push up the rotation and be a part of, right? So eight guys were a part of that starting rotation and the men off the bench in the first half. If you're going to go out to nine and 10th guys on the bench here, I would say Sumner's on that inside track to be a part of that group, specifically for the skill set that he brings. You mentioned it, athleticism, quickness, on-ball ability. It's just something that when Kyrie Irving comes off the court, you start to look around a little bit, right? And we, you mentioned it, I'll tie it into yesterday, talking about what it can look like when Ben Simmons is on the floor and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving need not be on there. Sumner, I think, is a guy that you can start to look at and say, yes, his skill set could be a part of that rotation with Ben Simmons where the, the, the athleticism, the shooting ability comes into play in a big way. Yeah, and if you think like the 40% three-point shooting in his last in two, you know, two seasons ago is anything close to real, Sam Besides is pretty small. But if it's going to be like he got himself up to over 30, he was up over 33% uh, shooting from beyond the arc. If any of that is even a little real, then they are, he will, he'll fit in real nicely. Like a team that wants to play fast, a team that wants to read and react, um, like wants to get out in transition, that can pair and guard like I said, sort of like the one and the two from other teams, mm-hmm. the, those that kind of guy we know can fit with Kyrie. Like we know that the, that that's the kind of play, and with Simmons too. Frankly, it would, if, if he can shoot, um, those those are the kind of guys that will pair nicely with with other some of these other guys on the Nets. And like and I the said, height matters. The height matters a lot yeah. here because nobody else has in the backcourt. You, you talk about Patty Mills, talk about Cam Thomas, talk about any of the other guys. None of them have that just that, that ability to say when they step onto the court, you're not all of a sudden becoming a pick on assignment. You mentioned the defensive ability as well. We're not going to get out over our skis on him, but just it, it looks like. See, this feels the same when we talked about Royce O'Neal yesterday in terms of his role. All of the skill sets say, oh, this is going to fit really nicely. That seems like what Sumner can project for. 100%. And so I think, we, and look, we were wondering about the health, and it's, it's good to wonder about this stuff. As do we know about the TJ Warren not being able to you know, break camp after a multiple season injury or a full season injury? Um, and Sumner was coming off a bad injury also. So we, the, all signs were that he was healthy. I think we definitely saw uh, that to be the case here in this first game. We're going to talk about some of these other contributions that we saw from the Nets, uh, the Nets bench and who may or may not end up making the team. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Prize Picks. If you're into daily fantasy, you have to really get into Prize Picks. It's the easiest way to get in entries, um, to w- to work with player projections, to uh, to kind of go more or less on certain stats. It's really super easy to use. Like right now, you can go to Prize Picks. You can get Julius Randle, you know, you know, 13 and a half. You want to get more or less than that in his next game? 
You can go right there. Cade Cunningham, 12 and a half points. These were up for the Nets games as well, uh, going back a game ago. But Price Picks just going to have it up there. Not just points either, rebounds, assists, and you're not pulling in, putting out lineups like you are on some of these other sites where you need to fiddle with salary. It's just you versus the projections. That's all you need to know about Price Picks. They make it super, super easy. You're not competing against other people, and they can they offer those projections on any sport that you watch. NBA, like I said, get in there for NFL Sunday. MLB while the season's still rolling around. NHL coming. I can't believe NHL about to start again. All available for you on Prize Picks. You can make an entry in 60 seconds or less. It's super easy. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You have to use the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. The math really plays out well for you there. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks.com. All right, so beyond Edmund Summerton, who I think we would both agree that we were curious and then very pleasantly surprised how good he looked, right? So he kind of overtook, I think, a couple of the other narratives that we were talking about coming into it. Um, we'll just go ahead and read that graphic there for you YouTube users. It's Yuta Watanabe time. Listen, listen, friends. When you put yourself out there on the line like yours truly did, talking about a player who was getting about 11 minutes in Toronto and didn't necessarily know what he was going to end up being, in terms of putting your best foot forward, I thought Yuta Watanabe showed basically everything that the scouting r- report tells you. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not the most agile. He's not the best defender. But guess what? From a Brooklyn Nets standpoint, 16 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, knocked down one of his two triples, got to the line four times as well, gave you four defensive rebounds, and gave you 10 points. Like, I just think for this team and what they need, he's the exactly slightly versatile, plug him into a couple of positions, and give you a consistent expectation when you put him out there for that 10 to 15 minute you know uh, portion of time on the floor if we're talking about getting into the 9th 10th 11th and 12th guys on this team I think you Watanabe put a great first step forward to say yes I am I have the length and the ability to plug in here again let's keep talking about that second unit and maintaining a level of consistency on both ends of the floor yeah, I think we could read a little bit into what these lineups were here and the minutes guys played in terms of how like the sort of the overall feeling or, or sentiment plays out with the guys that they you know have to make decisions on uh, at the end of the roster. One um, Nobby was part of my most tilting part of the night where he got elbowed in the Ugh. face and we were just waiting the podcast to go live and they had to do like a five minute long check to make sure it wasn't a flagrant and Adam and I are just sitting there waiting to premiere for the YouTube thing so that was my lasting you to Watanabe impression was just like did you have to stick your face in front of the elbow we could have been podcasting already but now we're gonna about do endorsement deals too already we're gonna do the ref we gotta do the ref show the ref show where they gotta watch this thing 90 times here come um, the zebras <laughs> just like everyone where everyone he's even smiling at the end like he's not hurt anyway no um I think when you see that they that he starts with that group for starters he plays 16 minutes with the core group that I think they're you know believing is going to make it here the mm-hmm. shooting looked like you wanted to see it I mean he only takes five shots but he's able to get to the line a few times two of them were on the uh on the flagrant so but in terms of like needing length and some athleticism and some ability to shoot at, at an NBA level the Nets had brought in guys with length but they didn't necessarily have the other requisite skills in the past. One was yeah. like being young, <laughs> and two uh, was being able to step out from beyond the arc. 
even a you're not a center like you maybe his you know, six nine makes you think center he's not that he's like a three so mm-hmm. he because he's, he's a slight of frame that's okay with the way that this group is currently constructed I think that we saw I mean look it's one preseason game did you see enough to make the team I don't know about that but it didn't didn't take any steps backward for you here right and I think the team clearly sent the message that he probably is part of what they want to do going forward and just from an archetype standpoint makes sense for what they're trying to construct he would not make sense for every team here but I think for what the Nets are trying to put together for their you know sort of thinking about five-man units his skill set does work yeah and I really think that again go back to you know Kevin Durant's comments it's a it's a wing driven league the Nets actively went out and tried to improve that facet of their team so you know name me a year in the past three seasons where you would think of a player and not about this half of preseason game for the Nets but name a player that you felt more confident about about what his role would be and what the skill set was that they were able to put out there you know the Blake Griffins of the world and the James Johnsons you know go down the laundry list none of these guys did you ever think oh they can do two or three things well it was usually they do one-ish pretty good and then we'll see from there and that's what creates a little bit of flexibility so I was really high on on him and his performance now the question becomes same thing with Sumner although really love what we saw now do it again in the second preseason game right repeat repeat this functionality and then we can get really excited about it were you surprised then um, with Markeith Morris and when he started to get onto the court here? Because just reset reset who the first five were. Obviously, Dayron did not come in there immediately, but the first five-man unit that started here in the second half for the Nets. Yeah, it was uh, it was Sumner, uh, David Duke Jr., Cam Thomas, uh, Markeith Morris, and Yudin Watanabe. Like, that oh, was the... So let's actually, let, let's pivot here. Um, just because Markeith Morris, I think we understand what he's going to be, so maybe there's not a whole lot to learn from him. Let's pivot to David Duke Jr. By the and- way, that that I will say like not a whole lot to learn from him also doesn't necessarily translate to like making the team. I, like I don't know if he his money's not guaranteed. I'm not confident 100% that he's with this final group. I, I get that I know what you're saying that we know what it is. Um I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced that because we know what it is it means that they think that he's I, I think he does, but 9 minutes here no, I know, exactly I know what you, I know what you, you mean, though, confidence. because if yeah. you're talking about, so like Dayron Sharp being a part of that initial unit, right? So you, you have Nicholas Claxton, we know Ben Simmons, then it's Dayron Sharp, and then you start to think, well, how many big bodies do you need? Are the Nets more inclined to be playing a smaller version of their lineup? Morris fits into that mold, but I think you're right. Like this is, it's, you know what you have in him. Now, I, I would say, regardless of position, it's about how many guys make a stronger case for deserving a role on this roster that then would put Morris potentially in jeopardy, right? And that's even why I said, let's pivot to uh, David Duke Jr. and Cam Thomas. Neither Cam Thomas isn't in any risk of not making this roster, but David Duke Jr., who over the summer league, and you you were the first one to be pumping the brakes around it. Yes, it looks really good in summer league, but we we know he can do that. Can he do it at the NBA level? He didn't look so great, right? He didn't necessarily put it out there where you felt confident. I'm not disappointed or frustrated or think he can't still pull off something here but I think there's a reason why there wasn't a lot of traction around the league and why he came back on a two-way for the Nets yeah like this I mean what it was one 17 minutes so again our 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 opinion of a guy is rarely going to be swayed in any huge ways around right. like uh, you know changing our uh, let me put it this way 17 minutes wouldn't change my priors one way or the other on a mm-hmm. guy like David Duke Jr and now lucky for us that 
he didn't do anything either <laughs> to like even probably make it a discussion. Um, I, I get why they want to give him multiple looks here um, and give him minutes. I think he's a guy that you probably want to continue to try to develop. I still don't know like what his core NBA skill set is. And I think that is something that we mentioned after summer league also is that he has athletic and his motor is really high. And I, if you want to use that as a piece of your skill set, sure. But motor is not going to be enough. I don't think for him to like really play real quality minutes here. So I know he gets the look. I, I think that they made it a point to play him and cam sort of as an extension of summer league and probably just to see what they had. But I just don't know why he would take someone else's roster spot at this point. Um, and so I, I do think it's interesting that he was with this group. I think that probably tells us what, something is that like, okay, we want to continue to try to develop this guy. But in terms of what the Nets really need going to the season, he doesn't strike me as what it is they actually need. No, and I think that's where it's hard. As he said, it's not an, even a knock on him. It'll just be a curiosity. No. Uh, coming yeah. up here in a second, we can talk about, obviously, Cam Thomas, who got who got some run here. Um, not maybe surprising, but some confirmation around a player like Kessler Edwards and where he is in this pecking order based on where he came in. And then even looking at some of these other back-end guys, names that we've heard a little bit from fans about wanting to see more of, at least initially, doesn't feel like we're going to be uh, <laughs> banging the drum for them to be making the 15-man. The Okay, so here is the deal, friends. When we talk about the one of the things I'll think is disappointing for me, I'll say, um, Cam Thomas gets into this game and I, I take it for whatever it's worth. He's not showing me the next thing yet. It, it's it's one half of preseason, but I think this is just this is my perspective on him. I like him. I like what he can be. The first thing he does is score. But you mentioned this about yeah. You know what he needs to do though is show that he can knock down the outside shot with consistency in order to be that next level of contribution inside of this roster. Now he knocked down his free throws because he got to the line a lot. That's something that he did show he could already do. He did not take any three pointers in this game and shot one of six from the field. Are you just still kind of in the holding pattern when it comes to Cam Thomas as far as? Let's see how this goes as we get into the regular season because I don't know if we're going to learn anything concrete in the preseason games from him. I mean, he I'll take it even one step further. Not only did he not shoot a three, he passed up another open look on the catch-and-shoot. He refuses yeah. to catch and hit, take, to take catch-and-shoot threes. Like, I just don't understand why. I, I, mean, I don't know if that's just where his game isn't predicated on it. Like, he wants to dribble into the mid-range, uh, and that's just where we get to the rim and kind of, you know, draw contact, and he is really good at that, and that's not, this is, that's a, that's a compliment for him. He's very good at drawing contact and getting the ball up. He's very good about finishing uh, in a crowd, or at least getting shots up in a crowd. He's good on pull-ups. Like, he is good at those things, but, like, he in has to In terms of complimenting this roster... You he has to, to be able to shoot the, threes. Yeah. He has to shoot threes. Like, and it's it's one thing to not do it. It's another thing. Again, he passed up. It was an above the break three that he was wide open on, and he did not shoot it. And there was a closeout. The closeout came so late it shouldn't have mattered. And he the and he ends up going around the closeout. But I'm like, you have to shoot that shot with with this team. That is a shot you have to be able to shoot. And he just as we are now multiple seasons in of him just not of just kind of refusing to do it. And so Dayron Sharp had more uh, three point attempts in this game. Yeah, he had the well, yeah, that one I thought it was going down that uh <laughs> <laughs> the, but, the but straight I, on one. No, but I, you know what I mean like this is this is like it has to be part of his game. Like yeah. you can't be a two guard in the NBA and not shoot threes. Like I there's again, there's not a place for the NBA. Like if you were not if you if you play the two which he's effectively going to try to do here and you can't and you just don't shoot three pointers 
And when you do shoot three-pointers, they don't really go in at an above-a-league level rate. Like, I just don't know what you are. And I, that's my concern. And I again, I don't want to use these two little examples from this game. But again, these are not... I'm not actually just picking and choosing these things. We've talked about this for years now, over the whole last year with him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do this thing that you have to do it at this position in the NBA, and if he's not going to do it or refuses even when it's wide open and presented to him... I just I, I I you have to lower the ceiling like really considerably on him. Yeah, my my thing is um, first of all that if I'm hard on him because I like I like what he is as a player and I want to see him take the next step and this is the next step. These are the next phases of your game that you need to be a part of for everything that he is good when he's on the ball and getting at the bucket and certainly drawing fouls. The other thing is I'll point to this is you know this is why you bring back Patty Mills uh, in the off season because he fits the mold of what you want from that two guard position. This is why you take a flyer on a. Guy guy like Sumner if he can come back healthy because when you look at your roster if you're Sean Marks you're not looking at it and saying hey we project that Cam Thomas can take that next step for us and be a contributor at this level at roll x right and I'll I'll say it likewise for why they didn't maybe try to push for finding another big or someone that's going to stretch the floor because they like the development of Nicholas Claxton they believe a little bit more at least right now in Dayron Sharp and they like some of the players they bring in so I just think that Cam Thomas is is further from repeating what we saw last year when he was getting some big minutes over certain portions of the season than maybe fans would want him to be. It's okay, but when you're undersized like that, you got to be better on the defensive end, you got to be better from the outside, and we'll see where it goes from here. It's okay and it's not okay. Like it's just yeah. right, it's it, fine. It just has to- but it's not if you want to be a contributor. Consistent contributor, not fine. Developing as a young player for the Brooklyn Nets as a late first round pick, totally cool. Yeah, and he does do those other things, like I said, really well. Like, uh, not at an elite level, but he does it clearly at an NBA level. And so um, that is all good. It's just like if we want to dream about his upside, right? This is because at this point, that's what we're talking about. Really kind of just dreaming about his floor. Like, his floor needs to be um, a guy who can space the court, and he just doesn't right now. Like, if if there's a book on him, it's that you actually don't even need to run a closeout to him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's unclear he's going to shoot the the shot anyway. And so um, I just, you know, again, it's not the end of the world, and and we still have a full season, and I don't think he's likely to swing this team one way or the other. But just in terms of his over, and he's clearly going to make the team and play and be on the bench this season, so that's that's, there's no risk of that. But it's just that now the expectation – let me put it this way. With the NBA, it's usually about expectation. It's like your expectation levels go up after you do certain things. Like, okay, he met the first level of expectation. They got a, they got a value in the draft where they drafted him. He's better. He, a lot of other teams probably shouldn't have let him slip. Mm-hmm. And he can do certain things in the NBA level really, really well. Now, great. That's our new expectation. Now we have a, Now we're stepping it up another notch to say, where's the growth going to be? And it just hasn't happened yet. So that's that's really my only that's really my only uh, overall thoughts about him. It's just yeah. that we just want to see him make the next take the next step here. The other thing here, I guess, just on the closeout on the back end of this one, when we look at from the depth perspective, um, you know, Kessler Edwards seems like he's pretty far down the totem pole just yeah, in terms surprised. of getting some consistent minutes. And you and I talked about this going back to summer league, right? It was the thing where last year, when you see him on the floor with all the stars and the spacing, yeah, there's this functionality to his game. Then we watch him in summer league, and and I think that's kind of the eye test too, is right? Can you look dominant? It's why we thought, well, DDJ, let's see what he looks like in preseason because he's showing it in summer league. Same thing with Cam Thomas. Kessler Edwards just looked like a body out there in preseason in the summer league, and that and that's a problem. I I, I think that 
he is as much a victim of getting overexposed in terms of showing the fans that he has a skill set and it can function way sooner than the Brooklyn Nets would have ever anticipated, I think, really going to that well, right? He's a second-round pick. A lot of things happened last season that afford the Brooklyn Nets to do this interesting thing where a lot of young guys are playing way sooner than they would like. Um, I like him. I like him to develop, but there's a reason. You used to say this last season. There's a reason why you get picked in the second round. It's usually because everyone in the NBA is athletic, but athleticism at the NBA level is paramount and he is a little bit stiff, he's not quite fluid, and the next phases of his game are being able to put the ball on the deck and go at the basket a little bit more. And honestly, he has to be able to show that defensive versatility with consistency too because even though he he seems like he can, there are times, and even going back to last year, where he kind of gets caught in the wash a little bit and guys that can put the ball on the court are going to give him problems. So, you know, in between on him, little little disheartening, but I still like him obviously to be sitting on the bench this season and learning from other people. And just re- I mean, a reminder about Kessler, too, is that last year it was sort of just he they needed him because they had no other guy like him. They had no one else that was 6'6 six, six or above that could shoot threes. Like, that wasn't Kevin Durant. Like, they just didn't even have a guy. They didn't have a guy who could guard threes or fours from the other team really at all that could, that could space the court. They didn't have a single guy on the court like that. So he was played sort of out of necessity more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think he was fine. He did fine uh, in what was asked of him. But it was really more born out of what the Nets didn't have on the rest of the roster a little more than what he was actually showing he could do at like an NBA level, right? It was like at some point, they just needed a warm body who stood above a certain height that could every yes. once in a while yes. shoot, shoot a wide open three and make it. Like, they have a few more guys that can do that this season. And when that's the case, his just his services aren't required in the way that they were required last season. Like... It was just more, he was more a byproduct of sort of mismanagement around the rest of the roster than it was about him going and just completely balling out on the time he was there. It was fine. He's better than a second round pick. I think I would still agree on that. It's just that I, I just that he might, I think he's probably buried here because he's just now at this point with the way the rest of the roster lines up, he just doesn't do enough. Raquan Gray, obviously, I know fans like talk about. It. I'm just I'm doing this just to round out who was in there. He had the filler minutes at the back end of this thing. Alondez Williams, that's a bit of a head scratcher given his age. He doesn't really see the court here. Be interesting just to see how he develops in the G League. These are guys that are going to the G League um, this season. But on the whole, man, just to, in totality, first and second half from this one, when we think about the players we're talking about, Yuta Watanabe, I mean, even Morris with his sample size, Edmund Sumner, we know, no Seth Curry, obviously, which is going to push some guys down the pecking order. And then also a guy like TJ Warren, right? Clearly, he's going to be up here in this mix. But that's four names that we're bringing up that weren't a part of this roster last season, right? So after you settle things down in the offseason with Kevin Durant, you get everybody back in here, and you know Ben Simmons is going to be healthy. Sean Marks, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, they looked at this roster, and they said, we know that there's things that we need to change here. And what you're now seeing is what? Three or four guys that were getting real minutes last season, getting bumped down this pecking order, and having guys that fit the scheme better, have better functionality, and have consistently higher floors, I think, which is what the Brooklyn Nets are trying to accomplish this preseason going into the year when it comes to the rotation players that need to fill out this roster. And that's a good sign for the team yep. uh, like as a whole. That's, that's, that's a good thing for the team, right? That some of these players have been bumped down 
is bumps up your projection on the net season. Like that's and that that's the other way to look at this. It's not a knock on these guys. It's just that they've done a better job about rounding out the roster around real NBA bodies at this point. And that's just going to push down these guys that played out of necessity a little bit more. So I think in general, it just, it becomes, a, it's not great for those guys, but it's great. It's better for the team as a whole. Okay. We're going to get out of here. Yes, uh, a million comments on YouTube. I tried to get in there and reply to as many as possible. Really good stuff too. Like positive thoughts and, and yeah. really appreciate all that stuff. I mean, hundreds of comments in there. My um, PSA at the we, top was directed probably at the minority than the majority. The majority was ecstatic to see basketball out there and the nets and watching this develop. It was fantastic. Yeah. So really appreciate that. Um, just a couple things that are super easy to do that you can do, uh, to help the podcast. One is you just follow Adam and I on Twitter at Doug Nori at Artem Armbrecht. That's just our names. Uh, so you can just give us a follow on Twitter. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have crested over 3000 and pushing toward 4,000 subscribers. Now really appreciate uh, all the love over there and make sure you like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all those things are totally free. They're just simple clicks. And that's the best way to help the podcast. And for any of you folks out there that were complaining or talking negative after the first preseason game, man, I bet you were moping around after that, weren't you? That's Miles Darby from Step Up. Oh, one of the all-time great American poets. We will be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.